0: Alright, good morning. I'm so excited to be here and to be jumping into CBC at the movies. I love this series. I love, man, I love the smell of popcorn. I walked out of my office this morning. It's like, ah, oh, this, is, this is it. I love uh, just the fun of watching movies together. I love that watching movies and smelling popcorn tends to keep people awake a little bit better during the sermon. So this is a, a, good, a good day for, for me and for us. But the thing I think I love most about this series honestly, is the way it challenges us to approach Scripture in new ways, uh, to see God and faith from a different perspective. And we always want to keep that in front of us, that as much fun as this series is, this is the larger goal, to think about what we can learn about God, about Scripture, and what we can even learn about our culture from watching these uh, resonant stories. And today's movie, I think, is a perfect example of this opportunity. We are going to begin our series this year with the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Now, on one hand, this is a really good, well-made movie. It was the critical darling of 2022, winning seven Academy Awards, including big ones like Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress. But at the same time, as for as good of a movie as it is, as we said last week, it is super weird. Here are some things that are prominently featured in this movie. People with hot dog fingers. I can show that picture. Hot dog fingers, for real. A chef who cooks with a raccoon under his hat, like Ratatouille. Uh, And a conversation between two sentient rocks. This is like the climax of this movie, is this conversation. I kid you not, there were no less than ten times when I was watching this at home where I thought to myself... This is just too dumb. Like, I I need to turn this movie off. I can't keep going. But I pushed forward. I watched it. And I'm glad I did. And I am actually really excited to talk about it today because as weird as it is, it is a fascinating movie. It's really interesting, and it is worth talking about. Because ultimately, when you push past all the weirdness, this movie asks some really important questions. Questions about life, about meaning, about purpose, and questions that ultimately drive us to some of the richest truths in scripture. So let's go ahead and dive in. We are going to begin this morning with the opening scene from this movie. And what we see in this scene is really at the heart of this movie is a story about family. Uh, this is, it features Evelyn, her husband Wayman, and their daughter Joy. And right from the start, what we see is that this is a picture of family, but it's a picture that's kind of sad. It's broken, there's conflict, and there is a deep sense of dissatisfaction from each member of this family. So let's go ahead and watch this first scene.
1: Uh, I I, can't you. Uh, I have to finish all this before I wake right? steam the tablecloth for tonight. I'm going to paint over that water stain in the ceiling. I just mentioned surprise 面, oh. uh, like this afternoon. Five what? 看面啊, 五分钟, oh, okay, hey, paint did you, you? 一個是laundromat的 另外一個是apartment的 你千萬不要用錯了 Wait, he's you in there! He's Go set the table. He must be hungry. i will go to the we talk later. <sighs> Thank you for doing this. You look really pretty right now. Oh, you like this, this hot Mormon look? <laughs> I'm just telling you now, in case my mom says something dumb, like you're sat or whatever. I thought you said when she said like that, that means she cares.
0: Hi, Evelyn. Mrs. Wong. Hey, mom.
1: I only cook enough food for three people. Now I'll have to cook more. <laughs> She brought Becky. Hi. Hi, honey. Hi, Mr. Wong. Hi, Becky. Thank you for coming. Please call me Wayman. <laughs> you no, know, he doesn't have to stay. Who's he? Becky. Becky's a she. You know me. I always make that he she. in Chinese. Just one word. Talk so easy. And the way you two are dressed, I'm sure I'm not the only one calling him he. I mean her him. I. Uh, he. Anyways, my English is fine, and we have Google, so you don't have to come and be a translator, huh? Yeah. You stay here and she can cook okay, it. Look, I honestly think it's weird, okay? But Becky wants to help, <laughs> right, Becky? I always learn something when I hang out with the elderly. Old people are very wise. Hmm. It's okay. We'll, we'll take Hong with us to the meeting. Uh, you and Becky can stay here and decorate. Hmm? Where is he? When can I meet him? Customers, eat fast.
0: If you need to move a little closer to read the subtitles. No one will judge you, just, you know, just come on up during the next scene. But here we see, right, the the reality of Evelyn's life, a broken marriage (laughs) on the verge. See, thanks for leading us, Dan, I appreciate that. Right, Evelyn's life is tough. She has a broken marriage on the verge of divorce, a struggling business on the verge of an IRS audit, and a daughter who feels misunderstood and unloved. And I think this opening scene is, is really important. And powerful, because while we might not relate to every aspect of Evelyn's struggle, there's a feeling that I think probably feels at least somewhat familiar. Dissatisfaction. You can feel Evelyn's frustration and her desire. This question, right, is this struggle really all there is to my life? Isn't there supposed to be more than just this? See, the rest of the movie gets pretty fantastical, and there's all kinds of weird stuff happening, but this moment, this opening scene of just stark realism is so important because this is what connects us to this story and these characters because on some level, we know this feeling. We've we've sensed this. We sometimes struggle with this question, isn't there more? There's a really telling scene uh, just a few minutes after the one we just watched where Evelyn's eye catches uh, a musical playing on a TV screen, and she looks at it and watches it, and it's a couple dancing and singing a song. And the words they're singing go something like this, life can be so delicious. In other words, there could be more, or maybe even there should be more. And so Evelyn watches this musical longingly. She's drawn into it before she's snapped back to the reality of her own broken life. So the movie continues. Evelyn has to manage all this chaos. She's planning a New Year's, Chinese New Year's party for her father. She has to go meet with an IRS auditor. And of course, she's dealing with her uh, relationship with her daughter and Becky. But this is where things begin to get a little weird. Uh, They arrive at the audit, and they're meeting with this auditor, and strange things begin to happen. A different version of her husband from a different parallel universe shows up, and he begins to reveal to her that there is way more going on than she realizes. So let's watch that scene.
1: Said to you before. You mingling with It's you messing with my head. Shh. What are, don't she mean? You your head, relax and your and body. Door, am I Calm down, please. Calm down. Relax your body in the other universe, please. Going to autopilot.
0: You can't then deduct it if it's an off. Good.
1: Good. They don't know you and I are in this universe yet. So hopefully I'll have some time to explain. I'm not your husband and he's not the one you know. I'm another version of one from another life path, another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today, and whole time to help you. There's a great evil that has taken root in my world, and it's begun spreading its chaos throughout the many verses I've spent years searching for the one who might be able to match this great evil with an even greater good and bring back balance. All those years of searching have brought me here, to this universe, to you. I know it's a lot to take in right now. Got it. Mrs. Wang! Hello! Look, I'm sure you have a lot on your mind, but I cannot imagine anything mattering more than the conversation we are now having concerning your tax liability. I, need I remind you that there's already a lien on your property. Repossession is well within our rights. I know. I am paying attention. You see these. You don't get one of these unless you've seen a lot of excuse my French. Now you may <clears throat> only see a pile of boring forms and numbers, but I see a story. With nothing but a stack of receipts, I can trace the
0: ups and downs of your lives. And it does not look
1: it does not look good, but, uh, 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 sorry. My wife confuses her hobbies for businesses. An honest mistake. Oh. okay. Well, with all of these, um, honest mistakes, I mean, even if we don't charge you with fraud, we'll most certainly have to fine you for Gross negligence. You are always trying to confuse us with these big words. I thought you were going to bring your daughter to help you translate. I am going to bring my hey. Sorry, uh, Evelyn. going to come. Evelyn, are you oh. attention? She, I cannot talk now. Unless you can help need. me with my taxes. <gasps> what is gross necklaces? I know you have a lot of things going on your mind. But nothing could possibly matter more than this conversation we're having right now concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse. Yes, the respect. My dear Evelyn. I know you. With every passing moment, you feel you might have missed your chance to make something of your life. I'm here to tell you. Every rejection. Every disappointment has led you here. To this moment don't let anything distract you from it. <laughs> Do you think this is funny? So what will it be? Well, I'm thinking. Our time here is up. They're gonna kill us. What? Do you think you can give us more time so we can redo all this? Do not worry. This is just the photo universe we're using for communication. <laughs> you will know when it is time to fight. Do you want to redo? You're gonna resubmit? I will be in contact soon. I think my other husband's messing up the audit. Maybe we, uh, we can look at all the receipts again and... <laughs> Trust, no one! <laughs>
0: I warned you things are going to get weird, and they're getting weird. Well, before we go any further, let's just make sure we understand like, the basic idea behind the plot of this movie. Right? So if you have paid attention to kind of pop culture recently, the multiverse is kind of a, a hot concept. And the idea of the multiverse is the possibility that there exists an infinite number of parallel universes to our own universe. So there could be a bunch of different versions of you and me and all of us. And so in this movie, there are endless different versions of Evelyn and Waymond and Joy. And so in the movie, it's possible for characters to verse jump, which means that they can jump into their bodies in parallel universes and experience different versions of themselves. This all makes perfect sense, right? So anyway, so Evelyn can jump into different versions. She can be Chef Evelyn or Singer Evelyn or, of course, Hot Dog Fingers Evelyn. Now, this all brings us to our problem, to the villain of the movie, a character called Jobu Tubaki. Now, Jobu is from a different universe, but she is a version of Evelyn's daughter, Joy. Joy. And remember from the the opening scene, right? Evelyn and Joy have a strained relationship. But what we see is that Joy is kind of going through the same existential crisis as Evelyn. She's wondering if there's more. She's struggling to find meaning. And and she has this, this feeling of lostness. Now, in one universe, Joy somehow gains this ability to experience every version of herself in every parallel universe all at the same time. So this is where we get this idea of everything, everywhere, all at once. And this leads to Joy becoming, not Joy, but this villain, Joe Tabaki. And this next clip kind of explains a little bit more about her.
1: How did I die? I've seen you die a thousand ways in a thousand worlds. And every single one, you were murdered. What? Why would anybody want to kill me? She's an omniversal being with unimaginable power. An agent of pure chaos, with no real motives or desires. Jobu You're just making up the sound. We need another exit. So let her destroy the other bubbles. You said there's so many of them. Maybe it's okay if we lose some, but just leave me out of it. It's not so simple. She's been building something. We thought it was some sort of black hole, but it appears to consume more than just light and matter. We don't know exactly what it is. We don't know what it's for, but we can all feel it. You've been feeling it too, haven't you? Something is off. Your clothes never wear as well the next day. Your hair never falls in quite the same way. Even your coffee tastes... ...wrong. Our institutions are crumbling. Nobody trusts their neighbor anymore. And you stay up at night, wondering to yourself. How can we get back? This... ...is the Alphaverse mission. To take us back to how it's supposed to be. But that begins with finding the one who can stand up to Jobu's perverse shroud of chaos. You think it's me? Why else would we risk everything to get you out of here?
0: So this all sets up the main conflict of the movie. Jobu Tubaki has some sort of weapon, some secret force that's creating brokenness and chaos across every universe in the multiverse. And somehow, Evelyn has to stop her. And this is where I think this movie gets really interesting. Because this weapon, this secret, isn't some traditional weapon. It's not something we see in Marvel or something else. It's an idea, a belief. And the central premise of this movie is that this idea is so destructive that it literally tears apart the fabric existence and we're gonna watch two scenes in a row here and we're gonna see what this idea is and why it's so destructive the effect that it has on life and family and relationships so let's watch both of those
1: open up your mind huh? I got bored one day when I put everything on a bagel. Everything, all my hopes and dreams, my old report cards, every breed of dog, every last personal ad on Craigslist. Sesame, poppy seed, salt. And it collapsed in on itself. Because, you see, when you really put everything on a bagel, it becomes this. Come on. Come on, Come on. The truth. What is the truth? Nothing... matters. Oh no, Joy. You don't believe that? Feels nice, doesn't it? If nothing matters, then all the pain and guilt you feel for making nothing of your life goes away. Sucked into A bagel. You should feel relieved. The bagel will show you the true nature of things. You'll be free from that box, just like me. No, no, I'm not like you. You, you, You're young, and the mind is always changing. I still know who I am. You have no idea what you've done. You're stuck like this forever. my joy to my family to live my life a happy life okay this time i wasn't looking for you so i could kill you i was just looking for someone who could see what i see feel what i feel this is it that ...you can And that someone... ...is you. Evelyn. Shut up. What did you just say? I said, shut up. You don't matter. Whatever I did, I'm sorry. Nothing matters. You are going to be in Do you understand? But you can disrespect. me? Mm-hmm. 想清楚, 如果你不是认真的, <laughs> 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 Another year, hmm? pretending we know what we're doing, but really, we're just going around in circles, doing laundry, taxes, and laundry and taxes. No more running.
0: Now, when you get past the ridiculousness of a bagel being at the center of this movie, there's a really sad idea here, a scary possibility, this idea that nothing matters. See, for Jobu, the, everything bagel represents all of human experience because she is able to experience every possible universe, every possible life, because she's seen everything, she's done everything, her conclusion ultimately is that everything is meaningless. And this is a terrifying possibility, right? That the more life you experience, the more time that goes by, the more knowledge you gain, the more you would realize that nothing you do in the grand scheme of things really makes any difference. And Jobu has seen it all, the vastness of the universe, the infinitude of the multiverse, and it breaks her. You can sense her pain. I think this actress does an amazing job helping us to feel her lostness. Because if nothing matters, then my choices don't matter, my life doesn't matter, and ultimately, I don't matter. And this is the idea that threatens to destroy Evelyn and her family, to look at life and to believe this. To see all the brokenness and the struggle, all the years of trying and striving and and to recognize, what did it add up to? Just an endless cycle of laundry and taxes. And this is, I think, the true villain of this movie, this ideology. Now, what if I were to tell you that Jobu is actually sort of right. And not only is he sort of right, but that the Bible actually says so. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but the idea of an everything bagel has a pretty eerie parallel on the pages of Scripture. Jobu's philosophy actually seems to be lifted straight from the pages of the book of Ecclesiastes. And, you know, Ecclesiastes, I think, is almost like the everything, everywhere, all at once of the Bible. It is a weird book, and so weird, in fact, that we rarely reference it. If you read it, you probably want to put it down about ten times, like, this is too much, I can't finish this. On its surface, it's kind of a depressing read. The book begins with this kind of sobering proclamation. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem... Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises, the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, there is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Yikes, right? This is in the Bible. Everything is meaningless. The phrase has also been translated as everything is vanity. And this word here that's translated meaningless or vanity, it kind of literally means breath or vapor. It speaks to the impermanence and uncertainty of life. The author seems to be saying that life is like vapor, it doesn't last. It's here today, and it'll be gone tomorrow. And there's a reason for this belief. There's a reason why this teacher is able to say this. Because in some way, this teacher's experience is is sort of like Jobu Tabaki. He has spent his life experiencing everything that life has to offer. He's looked for meaning across the entire spectrum of existence. He's looked to wisdom, Pleasure, work, riches, laughter, progress. He's experienced them all in their fullness. In some ways, this teacher has put everything on a bagel. And yet he comes to this conclusion, everything is meaningless under the sun. So why is this in the Bible? And more importantly, is he right? Is Jobu right? Well, in our next scene, we arrive at the movie's answer, the way the movie resolves this problem. It tells us ultimately that life is not meaningless, but within this chaos and brokenness that we experience, it's kindness that gives life meaning. And it is a powerful ending to the movie. So let's watch this final scene.
1: How? That's impossible. It's just a statistical inevitability. It's nothing special. I don't know. I just talked to her. 每个人的嘴里 默默的一句, I know you're fighting because you're scared and confused. I'm confused, too. All day. It's going on, but somehow it feels like it's all my fault. I always see the how not the only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. I understand, but you're not a submissive person. I'm not. I'm not. It's just that we chose different ways to deal with it. Say that. 儘管你一直讓我心碎
0: I do think there is something compelling about the end of this movie. There's a valuable message here that in the midst of the challenges of life, kindness, positivity, they do bring us some meaning. Being good to others helps us to experience joy and some sense of purpose. But when you think about it, this ending doesn't actually solve anything. It's not actually truly satisfying. Because at the end of the day, what this movie seems to accept is that life is meaningless, that life is cruel, that there is a bagel at the center of existence, and that most of what we do doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And so it offers kindness and companionship as a kind of response, but it isn't a solution, it's it's a band-aid, a way of surviving. As Wayman says, it's a strategy for making the best of the fact that reality is hard. And when you think about the moral vision of the secular world, this is basically it. There's no greater meaning, there's no higher purpose, so just be good to others. Doesn't tell us why or what this really does. And just to be clear, kindness is great. If this inspires people to be kind and good and positive, that's still a win. That's still a good thing. This isn't bad, but we have to acknowledge that when it comes to the bigger questions this movie has asked about true meaning, this ending comes up short. In a way, it's just saying, hey, we're all on a sinking ship. Let's hold hands on the way down. The Bible has a different solution. And the point of Ecclesiastes isn't to be a bummer. Thankfully, we don't actually have a book of the Bible that says, nothing matters. Instead, what Ecclesiastes says is this, everything is meaningless under the sun. Those last three words are really important, under the sun. The author's point isn't that life is completely without meaning. His point is that life is without meaning when we limit our search to things under the sun the things of our world. He's saying this is what things look like when you view it from a purely human perspective. When we, when we look at life as we can see it, our physical existence, our understanding, our human fleshly pursuits. And the author says, if we don't look beyond that, then life will ultimately leave us empty and unhappy. See, I think that everything, everywhere, all at once, it, it does resonate with us somewhere because it has stumbled upon one of the truest things in all existence, that the further you go into life without God, the more meaningless it becomes. And it doesn't matter how many things you put on that bagel, riches, fame, work, relationships, power, good deeds, ultimately it's all vapor under the sun. Derek Kidner says this, nothing in our search has led us home. Nothing that we are offered under the sun is ours to keep. This is an important realization, but the point of it isn't to lead us to despair. It's not to make us jaded and cynical. And it's not even to lead us to be kind as as kind of a band-aid response to this hopelessness. But instead, the point is to draw us in to see that there is real meaning somewhere. But we need God to give it to us. Here are the closing words of the book. In Ecclesiastes 12, the teacher says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. He's saying, I've been everywhere. I've looked everywhere. I've seen everything. I've been to wisdom. I've been to power. I've experienced riches and pleasure. Everything you could put on a bagel. Here's what I've learned. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. The point of this book is for us to see the folly of life without God so that we can appreciate the beauty of life with Him. In his commentary, Philip Ryken compares Ecclesiastes to a shepherd's tool called a goad. And uh, in ancient times, shepherds would use this tool to drive oxen forward. And oxen are notoriously stubborn animals, and so this tool was basically a sharp stick that would, inflict just enough pain, just enough discomfort to keep these animals moving forward. And Ecclesiastes makes us uncomfortable in the same way that everything, everywhere, all at once does. See, the thought that life is meaningless is scary. It's humbling. And see, what I think what most of us want to believe is that there is some version of our life that's perfect, that's truly satisfying. That if we just made the right decisions, if we just had the right job, if we just met met the right person, if we just had done the right thing, somewhere along the lines, there's a version that's truly good. We want to believe that we can find meaning for ourselves with the right mix of things on that bagel. And both the movie and the author of Ecclesiastes say, nope, you can't do it. The teacher here says, I've walked down that road, I've tried it all. No matter how hard you try, no matter how far you go, you won't find what you're looking for anywhere under the sun. And that's the bad news. But the good news is, is that meaning and purpose, what you're looking for is actually super simple. It's way simpler than you're making it out to be. It's this, fear God and keep his commandments. In other words, live how God calls you to live. Fearing God isn't about being afraid of him, but it's about recognizing who he is and living in humility, obedience, and relationship. Reichen says this, When we look to God with reverence and awe, we are able to see the meaning of life and the beauty of its pleasures and the eternal significance of everything we do, including the little things of everyday life, only then can we discover why everything matters. I think this is such a beautiful truth about the Christian life. That when we do life apart from God, nothing matters. But when we take that bagel out of the center of our existence, and when we put God there and we live everything through that, then everything matters. And this is the truth that moves us forward, that motivates the Christian life. See, in order to truly enjoy God, in order to truly find the hope that we're meant to find in Him, we have to see, we have to believe, we have to trust in the emptiness of life without Him. We have to become disillusioned at everything the world offers us. We have to see what life is like apart from the grace and goodness of God. And I think this movie illustrates this perfectly. It reminds us of this hopelessness, and if we combine this with the truth of Scripture, we recognize the value of the pursuit in God and in Jesus. And so in light of this truth, I think this movie can help us to simply choose to pursue real meaning. As I said, to take out that bagel and put God in the center of our existence, to find joy in the life we have in Him, because we know there's nothing better worth pursuing. But I also think this movie can help us to recognize the struggle that people around us are experiencing. There are, the reality is that there are a lot of people in our lives who feel this kind of lostness, who are searching desperately for meaning who watch this movie and think to themselves is that it isn't there more see for as weird as this movie is we know how much it struck a chord it won awards people were talking about people love this movie because i think deep down it exposed a need it exposed the need we all have for meaning and while the movie only offers a band-aid god offers a true solution And so the invitation for us is to live this, to experience it, to believe it, but then to share it joyfully with the world around us. Let's pray.